And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. This is Eno Saris hosting. It's a little bit weird uh, to, to open it up. But today, uh, we have a guest, a, a good friend of mine, Andrew Perpetua, uh, who has worked w- within baseball and without. Um, and uh, I'd like to welcome you to Rates and Barrels, Andrew. Thank you for having me, Eno. Uh, it's great to talk to you. You've got uh, an interesting background, um, and I wanted to focus on that to open the show. You know, people, some of the people listening to this would like to get into baseball. So, just um, you know, you've you worked with the Mets for a bit, uh, but before that, how did you uh, get to 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 get that opportunity? And uh, sort of, what's your background educationally, or you know, what do you what sort of proficiencies do you have that sort of led to that moment? Well, my, my educational background is, is a little weird. I, uh, <laughs> I'm a high school dropout, and I, I went to college when I was uh, 17 to a little college named uh, Simon's Rock. And it's for nice. like people who don't graduate from high school. Like uh, A lot of my peers were like 14, 15 years old. <laughs> so wow. uh, I, there I studied psychology and neuroscience and chemistry. And uh, so... My background is I, I, I try to focus on more hard sciences. Um, mm-hmm. So that's sort of my background working in like lab type things and, you know, stuff like that. So were you using like uh, SPSS back then? No, um, no, <laughs> that's, that's what I used to when I was studying psychology. That was the uh, uh, the sort of stats. Uh, no, when I know, when I did CMS. The type of psychology I did wasn't really stats based. The psychology I did was more um, like I I did more of like the clinical type stuff. Um, ah. it, it was more um, the chemistry and the physics that I did a little bit of stats. Honestly, I didn't really even do that much stats in, in school. <laughs> I, like mm. stats is probably my my weakest subject is statistics. So um, um, getting in, in the baseball um kind of a long story and I'm going to skip all of it, <laughs> but, uh, or at least <laughs> long story short, I, I very badly hurt my hand and as a result, couldn't go to medical school. So, um, Oh, uh, yeah. I, I never I, knew that about you. Yeah. I accidentally cut off a few of my fingers <laughs> in, wow. uh, the, the senior year of, of college, uh, right before finals. It was, it was pretty, pretty bad. So it makes it hard to be a doctor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the, by the time I, I could go to medical school, it, like it took me like a year to, to bounce back, honestly. What did you do to yourself? Like large chunk of my hand fell off, you know? <laughs> Doing what? Uh, I, I got stabbed by a knife. <laughs> what? Yeah. 
Is this not a story we can get all the way into? Okay, I guess we've we've covered all of it at this point. I I got I got stabbed and I in a fight I, or something? Not really. It it was more of um just uh drunken happenstance. Oh man. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really You didn't and, play and the I, game where you put your I wasn't your hand I wasn't on the even and... the drunk one, you know. <laughs> I was the sober one. <laughs> oh no. Oh so, god, uh, that's terrible. Anyway, well, baseball's gain, I guess. Somehow that led to baseball. Yeah, so um yeah, so I I, I missed out on going <laughs> to, to medical school. And uh so yeah, I, I didn't really know what to do for a while. So I just started like doing baseball stuff for fun. Um like I, I was listening to like Ted Berg and uh Toby Hyde on their their podcast uh, back oh, in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and um uh so re- really the way I got into baseball was that I I I tracked all of the stats for the Mets by hand one season. Um, it was like 2012. So I, I like I would watch the game and I would mark down like whether it was like a line drive or a fly ball or what happened and like what the count was and how many pitchers were thrown and what pitchers were thrown in what order. I just did it all by hand on like, you know, just the old fashioned way. And um, during about halfway through the season, I said, I have all these stats and I just well like put them in a spreadsheet or something. And I started calculating like just like like basic stuff like fip and stuff and and that that was fine um but then i started doing yeah i started doing like sierra and i realized that my sierra for pitchers was totally different than sierra on like fan graphs i I was thinking like how like we watch the same games like how can we be this different and and the reason was because like when I saw a ball, like I would say this was a line drive, and they would say it may have been a ground ball or a fly ball. So there's like all this like ambiguity and subjectivity mm-hmm. around what batted balls even are. And I was like, it got me really frustrated because I didn't know how to treat the data at that point. Because like, because I thought I was being pretty reasonable. And I'm sure they think they're reasonable and we come to totally different things. And like some of the stats, like I would have a pitcher as having like an above average season and they would have them as a below average season. So how do I even make sense of that? Because I don't think I made mistakes and I don't think they made mistakes, but we end up with these totally different interpretations of what was going on on the field. And did you, did you find that, uh, you know, there's historically there was, some analysis has suggested that stringers, there's a stringer bias that, you know, if it was closer to being a hit, if it found grass, it was a line drive. If it, you know, if it found glove, it was a ground ball. Um, did you, did you find anything, anything like that when you sort of um, tried to analyze your own work? I would, it was harder back then because I didn't have access to like the tools we have today. Like today right. I could go to like, um, what did I, was MLB called like the film box or whatever? I I could right. go and see the play. Whereas back then there like was barely video of the games. Like the only like I would have to like watch a game and like go through and not and have time for that. <laughs> it's a right, lot of games, right. you know. <laughs> you might have, so, you might have had to like record it, right? Because it wasn't yeah. like sitting somewhere for you to go look at it again. It, it was just it was just more difficult back then. So I was more I was like I was trying to figure out whether there was a bias towards line drives or 
fly balls and I don't think there really was a bias it was just we were just doing it differently like I like I since then I know that like balls that go like in the, down the lines like just over the first baseman or just over the third baseman like mm -hmm. that area of the infield that I think is where a lot of disagreement comes from because like I mm -hmm. I would say like if a ball goes in the air and lands there I would call it a fly ball or a pop-up, but sometimes they call it a ground ball. And I was like, it went wow, like that's called a ground ball in the sometimes? air. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, so it's just, I would have thought line drive. It's just weird. Yeah, like that's... sometimes like some of those balls, like it, it gets pretty chaotic. And like, I think, um, I think, uh, Jeff Zimmerman did an article on that at one point where he, he took video and asked like, what do you think the stringer called this? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. No, I remember my first sort of, uh, you know, run in with that sort of thing was like looking at, I think it maybe is BIS has like a, a list of descriptions they can put on a ball. And some of them were like Fliner and one was like Fliner fly. And mm -hmm. then another, <laughs> another one was like Fliner ground. <laughs> it's like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I just tried to watch again. And I was like, if I have, you know, 20 different ways that I could describe this ball, I could probably see identical balls and call them five different things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And so when when I was doing that, I, I just got frustrated. And I, was, I kept thinking to myself, like, if there were some objective measure to like, like if I knew how hard the ball was hit, or what the angle cast. was or something. <laughs> so like that, that's just, and that, that was like 2012. So I, I waited like three years and in 2015, StatCast came out and, and I rem I don't, I think it was, um, Alan Nathan like tweeted out something and I saw like, <laughs> wait a second, the data is available, but I can just download it. So I, I just started, I started messing with it and, um, I, I started like, redoing the, the the work again yeah. basically and except with statcast data and at first i thought it was going well but then i realized that <laughs> statcast is just as just because there was like it was missing <laughs> and there's there's so much stuff it's stuff. like there's yeah yeah there's 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 missing balls and um there's so much measurement error like we like I, I yeah, I think that's one thing that doesn't come across that well from you know leak sources or just people that use the data. There, there are a lot of errors in there, even even today, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I haven't worked that much <clears throat> with uh, Hawkeye just because I've been I've been mm -hmm. busy with getting my systems up to date. We'll talk about that later, but um, yeah. But with with TrackMan, I think um the error on a launch angle was like four degrees, like plus or minus four or something like that. And that's a lot more. And with expected. exit velocity, I think it was plus or minus two. So the whole two whole ticks. Yeah. So, so you could have mm. just think like you could have a ball that was hit 93 at 25 degrees and it would register anywhere from 91 to 95. Jeez. And anywhere from like eighteen to like thirty-four degrees, <laughs> it would just be kind of random. Was it pervasive? It was it more in certain parks, or was it more um, in certain angles? I mean, it was more in certain well, angles, it, right? Yeah, there was um because the radar can only really measure whether it's coming towards you or away from you. It can't measure in any other axis. 
So right. um, the further you get from that, sh you know, perpendicular line, the worse the measurement was. So, uh, mm -hmm. so there, there are all, and, and also just, just wasn't accurate enough at the end of the day. And that's why we have Hawkeye because Hawkeye is so much better. And honestly, I don't know what mm -hmm. the measurement error on Hawkeye is. I, I remember I heard a theoretical estimate a long time ago, like two right. year, two plus years ago, that there was a theoretical estimate of fractions of a centimeter of error. And I don't know if that's true. Like I th it may have just been way overly optimistic. I'm not really sure. Um, but if I think I watch tennis and, you know, it's almost never overturned uh, when it comes to serves yeah. and, you know, they, they're, they're showing like the ball, you know, they're taught, they're talking about fractions of centimeters when the, the ball just barely yeah. grazed the line or whatever. The, the difficulty in baseball is that like in, in tennis, the, the playing field is so constrained that you yeah. can, you can like see just train it on this one box <laughs> you, you can see like if something goes wrong and correct it whereas in baseball like there's so much space that mm -hmm. you know you it's hard to test that, that's why like we focus so much on pitches because the pitching is constrained like generally yeah. you're going to throw within the like plate a, the plate is like the the serving box yeah. right like it's 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 a little little nice box and also people tend to care about pitching more so like if you say that this breaking ball has a break of 18 inches and someone looks at it and says that's not a breaking ball it's a fastball <laughs> and you're like like <laughs> wait a second so like you can like you can test for stuff like that whereas like a fly uh -huh. ball like you may completely mismeasure a fly ball and who is there to say that you got it wrong like <laughs> like Oh, that, yeah, yeah, like that that was 206 feet. No, no way that was yeah. 201. Distance distance is one thing you can test. Um but, right. but like spin rate, how do you measure spin rate? Like how do you, like without measuring it with like a camera or something? Like how can you how estimate do you see it? it? Like you can't tell. Yeah, I've been writing about how like ride I think is even hard to to scout for. Like I, you know, I've developed this stuff metric with Max Bay and like it loves Trevor Rogers. It hates Trevor Rogers' fastball and loves Julio Urias's. And if you like watch both of them, it's very hard to be like, "Oh yeah, Urias's fastball is way better." Yeah, and 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 with pitching, however hard you think it is with pitching with fly balls, it's like ten times harder. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and ground balls, like, like what? How do you treat a ball after it bounces? Is got to be one of the biggest questions in baseball because nobody has any clue how to do it. Like, at least I don't know anybody who even how do you, tries. Like, how do you track it? Or how, how do you, do you, do you like once it bounces, does it get a new set of vectors? Like, does it, yeah, does it the, you know, have a the new fields, exit velocity, like a new, the fields aren't necessarily yeah. flat. You don't get perfect bounces. You know, they, they bounce in any sort of direction, which can Some change velocity. Than others and, and... and more importantly, how do you, measure defense on a ball that bounced like like how how do you measure mm. how far the fielder went like how hard the play was even to get to like it's really hard yeah because there's there's, there's even bad ball spin right that we don't that we don't have in the public which means that like someone could hit uh identical balls towards the third baseman in the in the same sort of horizontal spray angle right in the same sort of vertical spray angle but have totally different side spin on it 
And that means that once it bounces, it's going to do something totally different. So those two balls that went in the same sort of area in the same sort of speed might hit the b ground and do to totally different things. Yeah. And yet, if you treat them the same way, that then you're tr then you're not really getting uh, everything you can out of that defensive stack. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and 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 also the ground isn't flat. So if the if the ball lands right, yeah. a centimeter to the left, <laughs> it might bounce differently. You know. So. Right. Like if it like if it bounces in the in the baseline or versus on the grass. Yeah. And so, well, the the all these sort of yeah. like uncertainties is kind of um why. I have tried to focus on it in my analysis, um, or mostly because like I just kind of started out this way. Like I was just did like a little baseball project, and it, it turned out to be a, a big study in, in measurement uncertainty. So and and since then, mm -hmm. I I've just grown more and more uh, fascinated with uh, just the uncertainty of the measurements. And and I like early on, I I was told that there are three types of people who do baseball analytics. There's uh, one person, they take the data and they just work with it at face value. And I think that's right. most people. Um, the second group of people are the people who s they see the data and they know that there's errors in it and they might even go and correct the errors. And the third group, or at least acknowledge, have some sort of error bands around yeah. their findings or whatever. And the third group of people are the ones who see the errors and use those errors to their benefit. <laughs> um, so they, they're the ones who, if I can clean these up better than everybody else, then I'm going to have better numbers. Not even so much cleaning. It's, it's just that we know that all this data is fake, but they don't know it's fake. So we can. We uh -huh. can act like we you know, we can do a trade, or we can go sign, you know, an amateur player, or we can do something to take advantage of us knowing that the data is wrong somehow. On a on a very basic level, the idea could be something like we know this guy hits a lot of pop ups, but TrackMan never catches them. So we know this guy is not as good as his TrackMan numbers. So we'll we'll trade yeah. him. <laughs> I, I think one one TrackMan example was that early on, I think in in like the first year year or two, maybe oh, whatever the first year or two of TrackMan, it had a lot of trouble tracking sliders. So if you knew then mm. that it couldn't track a slider, and you know that teams are maybe putting a lot of weight. Because like maybe at like the end of that two year period, like the first year, I don't think anybody used TrackMan, but towards the second year, maybe they started, and you might have realized. Well, there were definitely teams like the Astros were selecting for spin rate, right? Yeah. Like that was definitely something that we heard early on in TrackMan. Yeah, so if if you knew that there's that problem, you can use that to your advantage. You could say like, this pitcher, we think he has a bad slider, so when we trade for him, we're going to offer less, and they're going to accept it, even though we know he has a good slider. Um, right, right, right. Things, yeah. things like that. Um, totally. And that, and from that, uh, some from that effort, XStats was born. Yes. <laughs> so the yeah, that and... that was um, my attempt at um, for XStats. It, it started out as um, just um, trying to have a a way of of digesting the Statcast in an easier to recognize way. I, I was trying to distill it down to like the old stats <laughs> and then it 
but but it, but in a way like that, that that was an important thing that you did that i mean no matter that it was a personal project that you were working on yourself uh and that uh, for maybe it was just a labor of love or something that you didn't necessarily think uh, as a stepping towards anything it was important it was your version of publishing right like it was your version of showing your work and establishing yourself as someone that could be hired yeah looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I asked that because my next question is, what, what would you tell someone that wanted to follow your footsteps? You know, like, I don't know that they're going to necessarily track every game and do all that stuff. But but the publishing was important, right? Yeah, definitely. You have to get out there. You have to publish. And I, I think um, the, the XSTATS, it did, it did two things. First, it, it got my, my name out there. And mm. second, it let me do favors for people. <laughs> and doing favors for people is probably the best thing you could do. It's like you have to do. It's it, but it's it's but it's terrible. You think about it. You know, this is something that baseball does, which is, uh, what can you do for me, and can you do it free? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's that. <laughs> and 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 there's there there are more hardliners, and there are more hardliners out there. And I I respect the attitude that like you know I will not work for free. I will not write for free. I will not. Uh, I will not do data work for you for free. I respect that, but I don't think that it's it's just it's just not realistic to me. Because the way baseball works is you do favors for people long enough until then they pay you. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's just the reality of it. And and honestly, it's just I don't know how you get what you can do to change the it. way that I the way that I was doing it was that most of the favors I were I was doing were just things that I've already did anyway. <laughs> so it was a lot of it was just kind of like, like I already did like 90% of the work. I just have to like, like maybe run a query and output the query to like a CSV or whatever. And, and send you the yeah, file, so, like not, not even 10 minutes. Sometimes. Yeah. So th those were a lot of the sort of favors I was doing and also like doing some graphics and I just like making basic graphics so it was kind of fun and uh so well these these so here there's there's some very concrete stuff here though because you're talking about uh, queries you're talking about graphics you're talking about publishing so these are those are those are things that i tell people but i think that you have um, a little bit more insight into the specifics of it like even uh what languages are are being used in front offices um and what languages they should use um those are and two different things by the way would you tell someone <laughs> Those What's are that? two different things. What languages they use, I know exactly. and what they should use. I've talked to you, with you enough. I know, but but uh, actually, so here's my question. So we've talked about this before, where you know uh, they use R, mm -hmm. but probably should use Python. Yeah, is that am I? 
Yeah, okay, so I would say so. But what would you tell? What would you tell a kid then? What would you tell somebody who's studying? Would you tell them to learn both, or because they have to know the R to get in, or do you tell them to learn the Python and tell them to tell the teams, "Hey, Python is really what you need." <laughs> well, I think everybody should just start off by learning SQL. Uh, like you should that's just because that's that's all I know, and it's <laughs> it's very basic. Yeah. Everybody should know SQL. Like it is is really the basic stepping stone. And honestly, you don't like SQL is way more than baseball. Like you can get a like if you know SQL, you can get a job anywhere. So it's it is true because that's because that was like one of the first sort of database languages. So a lot of the older databases yeah, use like that still. Every or? everyone uses SQL. Like if you want to work for mm. a bank or a hospital or like any sort of company like that. And you know SQL, you can get the job just for knowing SQL. Like you don't even need a degree or whatever. You Plus, there there is some value beyond that, right? Where the structure of SQL tells you a little bit about the structure of more advanced languages, yeah, right? Like is, the idea of sort of select select this from here, given this. Yeah, you know that's the sort of structure of SQL. And I don't know that much about Python and R, but that I've done a little bit of I've seen R. So that it's a little bit similar, right? Where it's to select this, given this sort of idea. Yeah, I mean, R, in my opinion, I don't, I don't know R that well. Like, I'm, I'm very rudimentary mm -hmm. at R, but in my opinion, R is kind of an, an island language. Like, it's kind of like its own thing. On its own. Um, huh. Whereas, like a, like I think if if you were to learn like Java or Python, or um, like any of those more general languages, I think they're all so similar that like, if you learn Java, you can learn Python in a few weeks, you know, or if you learned wow. Python, you could learn JavaScript, or if you learn JavaScript, you could learn Python. Like they're all, but if you learn R, it doesn't yeah, necessarily if, if you learn you R, else. you learned R you learned and, R. and that's it. <laughs> okay. Like that's it. And and the and I'm like the craziest <laughs> thing about R is that like R is a language that like you like if you want to make your own stuff in R, like it's generally written in C. So in order to program really efficiently in R, you have to learn a different language to use R. So it's just it kind of like boggles my mind. And like R has very why why do you think baseball uses it so much? Oh. Just someone somewhere started using it. Oh, that's it a and... simple one. I know exactly why they use it. <laughs> it's because why they all like a lot of them. They took like a semester or two of stats in college, and then in that stats and class they used, they R, used R. And then when like they're <laughs> programming and they realize that like they can't do it in a spreadsheet anymore. Like Excel isn't powerful enough. They say like, what am I gonna do? Like I don't know what to do. Well, I took like a semester of R, so that they just do so, R, just and that's that. that's that's what happened. So it's all the school's fault. That's then, yeah. why everybody uses R. <laughs> Nobody wants to use R. It just happened that way. <laughs> like, and I I kind of relate to that because like in college, like when I was doing uh, psychology and neuroscience, I learned Java. So to me, uh, going to JavaScript, which is what I mostly program in now, was pretty easy for me because I had already learned Java, but flip side is that knowing java i could have just as easily learned to go on to python because python and java while they're different and very in a lot of ways like they're very different they're basically the same thing like they're the same sort of language so um mm -hmm. it's kind of like going from like 
French to Italian. You know, it's not that different. Whereas like going from yeah. going from R like going from Python like to R is to... like going like, like Chinese. You know, it's like it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, but but uh, let's say all right. So we we've we laid a roadmap down for some people uh, just so they understand that R is what's going on in there. But Python and SQL might be a more powerful sort of pathway for them. Um, even if they do that, they they sort of then jump into the group of qualified applicants. Um, but uh, you know, you got hired for reasons beyond that. So um, like if you were telling someone, you know what to do with their time. I mean, you're talking about publish, learn these languages, but then, I mean, you have this very interesting background in terms of your education. And there is that sort of like, um, you know, I heard once that, you know, Harvard could, could completely, could, could just completely um, admit only 1600s on the SAT, right? Like they could just fill, yeah. fill it up with 1600s, but they don't, right? They look for other things. Um, do you think that, uh, teams are sophisticated enough to, to look for other types of backgrounds and like, you know, what would you tell someone to do with their, with their free time or their hobbies important or their other things that they, they study? Like, should they also be looking at physics or biomechanics or, you know, is there another thing they could add to their resume that well, would, uh, kind of get them beyond that first group of qualified applicants? Well, first, I think right now teams are not sophisticated enough to look outside. <laughs> and I think that's changing rapidly because, um, yeah, the better team, the, I think, the kind of look for something more data in baseball is getting so much more complicated that it really requires specialized skill sets to do some stuff like, um, hmm. computer vision is becoming more and more important and, um, machine learning is more and more important. So computer vision in particular is a very specialized skill set. And a lot of people who are good at it may not even care about baseball. So like in that sort of sense, yeah. and, and they would get paid a lot less yeah. <laughs> so, baseball than they would somewhere else. And, and that's like the skill sets that are becoming more important in baseball are more like less common in general. And, and, and the places where they are common are like NASA. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like, <laughs> how do we get the kid who was going to work for NASA to work for us when NASA was going to pay them like 300 grand? Okay. So right, exactly. like those are kind of, and will they work for us for free? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we'll pay you 30 grand and give you a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you feel like you're in the movie Moneyball. So and that <laughs> in that sense like i think these these skill sets are becoming more specialized in baseball um and and that i think is going to really grab baseball by the ears and drag it in a different direction i think front offices are going to change a lot in the next few years and um and and in doing so what what do you think will happen they'll have to they'll have to pay more they're going to have to, to pay more this they're going to have to like it's just supply and demand. Like, and that's, it's good for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like pay in baseball has to go up. Like everybody focuses on the players. I don't really care about the players get paid. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> but well, I mean the player minimum is 500,000. Yeah, I mean, if the, the front office if, minimum if, is like 15, I mean, if you made the front office minimum 500,000, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, 
so once once you got you know once you got you know on the other side and um you know it's funny actually uh uh, I think that there's something, there's a parallel here. You're fascinated with errors. One thing that I hear from people that uh, they get, you know, that start to work for a team and get inside uh, is that they're not as advanced in some ways as you might think they are. <laughs> they're, not. Um, they're not. They. Yeah. So what, what was, uh, I don't want you to, um, you know, rat on the Mets or anything specifically, but if there's a way that you could talk just sort of generally about what you learned uh, when you, when you started working within baseball. I think, Generally speaking, most teams in baseball, they view, um, they, when, when I was talking before about the, the three groups of analysts, there, there's the first group where mm-hmm. people just take the data and run with it. That's most of baseball. Like most front offices, mm-hmm. they, because ass- a lot of them, they get data from MLB. Like they don't necessarily mm-hmm. gather much of their own data. I mean, it really depends. Like, like there's wearable tech and stuff like that where they collect their own stuff. But generally speaking, the majority of their data is coming from MLB, and MLB does a a lot of work cleaning and kind of sterilizing the data. So it's kind of like pre-chewed, and they just kind of like spit it into little baby <laughs> bird mouths. So, <laughs> and uh, that's. That's kind of where uh, I like that analogy, man. That that that's kind of like how baseball is working right now. So, uh-huh. um, but but uh, but but that means that everyone's sort of at the same. Yeah, baby, it, it does. Every drop. a lot of people are getting the same data. <laughs> they are, and a lot of them are making similar decisions. So, and there's only there's a limited amount you can do on top of that, right? Like, yeah. Some people will look at it a different way, and other people will look at it a different way. But that's only a limited amount if you're looking at the same data. Right? Yeah, I mean, you need you need your own data in order to make, you know, more informed decisions. So different decisions, and 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 teams do get their own data. It's just I'm I'm more talking even now the track bands are still up, right? Yeah, I know. Um, at least in the minors, they are. I'm I'm sure most teams had multi-year contracts. I don't know. Specific, I would assume but... that, yeah, I would assume, and that's what happened is that Trackman is no longer the official MLB provider, but they're allowed to, they're allowed to make contracts with each of the individual teams. Yeah, and so absolutely. And if the, if the stuff is still up there and you're a smart team, at the very least, you can say, Hey, why don't we have Hawkeye and, uh, you know, and Trackman? Yeah. And you can bounce them off of each other. Um, there's, there's other technologies where things are different. There's other technologies too that, um, I, I know, uh, colleges use their own systems for um visual there's tracking. There's a technology that sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, f- uh, yeah, and there's a tr- there's technologies like uh Dr. Mike Sun uh, works on one called ProPlay AI um that uh just turns th- uh people on the field into kind of lines and angles. Yeah. And and uh, and I think there's some there's some stuff like that that, that scouts use. I, I know all the, uh, the scouts from certain teams will have like a contraption they set up at the game that kind of does that for yeah. them. Yeah, and and I I've seen um, prototypes of uh, of like lidar um, based player tracking, which worked pretty well. What's the difference again between lidar and radar? Lidar uses lasers, um, okay. whereas radar uses radio waves. So. So it's better because the lasers are better. Um, 
It's it's more accurate. Um, the, 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 I'm a Luddite, dude. <laughs> the, the, the one thing about LiDAR is that you can add cameras together to either increase your resolution uh, or, accuracy or resolution, increase your yeah. frame rate, or you can add them together in groups. So you can have like two cameras together to increase their resolution and then take two groups of those to increase the frame rate. Um, and then you can it's of also like the the Astros supposedly have a ton of edgertronic cameras everywhere, right? Yep. Like edgertronic. You can a... you can however you can add data to your yeah. your collection of data that's not in yeah. the in the regular pool. And and hopefully your data like like with lidar you can track the bat very accurately so you can get swing paths and like um contact points and it's like millimeter accuracy in all three dimensions. So, um, so like, which should maybe come with Hawkeye eventually. Hawkeye will do it. I don't know if it'll ever be as accurate as a lidar would be, mm. and it's not ready yet. So, or at least not that I know of. Um, so, and and even still, like the the more important point is that you have redundancy. So if, mm. and and you also have something to measure against. So if if your lidar says this and Hawkeye says that, and they're different, you may you can at least see if there's a conflict. So if you like only have one or the other, you might not even know how much you should trust it. So if there's two and that's really interesting. I was, you know, I just wrote this piece about how uh, there's variability in bats that, um, that players get shipped to them. They get 12 bats that are supposed to be all the same. Um, and there's this one company out there just found out there's a ton of variability and there's, uh, and he kind of strikes me as that third person, you know, yeah. he's like, there's a ton of variability here. This that's, that's he's like that's what you're looking for you're looking for variability that that's an edge and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free hey frank a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct tv what's the little birdie was it jimmy the sparrow it's a figure of speech point is you can stream direct tv over the internet now oh sure next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people right <laughs> you mean airplanes Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you got inside, did you learn? Uh, did you like figure out that? Did you figure out that you were wrong about something, or well, that I'm, the general public was totally wrong about something? Do, do, like I don't know. I, I I'm usually wrong about most things. So um... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think when people get mad at me about being wrong about something. <laughs> I, Jeez, don't you like, know that baseball is just the process of trying to be less wrong? Yeah, yeah. My my general strategy is to say things confidently with having absolutely no confidence behind it. So, <laughs> so I just kind of sit. Well, because if you tell people how little confidence you have in each <laughs> statement, then they just won't ever believe yeah, you. <laughs> so I I just kind of like it's more like a thing for myself. I I like I. 
I try to figure out where I am in the moment and I say, this is where I am. And I don't necessarily mean like, this is the only way it's just like, this is where I am right now. Mm. This is my truth. And in five minutes, I might totally change my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so you didn't have a, a big aha moment like that. I don't, I don't think I had an, an aha moment. Um, there, mm. there were some technology things. I mean, it was, it was mostly, I, I just, I get really interested in, in the systems of how things relate to each other more, more than the, the, the details of, uh, so like, mm -hmm. I, I, like I was interested in how, like, we have this technology that does this and this technology does that. How do they work together and are they working together? Can we make them work together better? Like those yeah. are the sort of things that I have a lot of interest in and, and whether like, can we replace one of them with something that, you know, will help the total system. So like if we have five different technologies and like maybe two of them overlap a little too much, we can get a different one that will maybe instead of overlapping with two technologies, you'll have three technologies that overlap. So you have more redundancy for the whole, the total system instead of having too much redundancy for just one part of it. And the, you've also talked that, that that could also, one of the variables there is ease. Like you've talked about how something has to be easy to set up for it to be valuable. Yeah. And that's, that's the benefit of LIDAR. LIDAR you can set up in two minutes. Um, yeah. And it's, you just press a little button and they all sync up and it's magic. And, and writing the code to analyze the game, it's like maybe 10 lines. <laughs> It's so easy. It's wow. it's so efficient. Um, especially, but you know the you know I've got a little rundown here, and I'm I'm legendary for for never uh, reading the rundown when I work with Derek. So I'm gonna as the host. Okay. Uh, but this is, is there's a transition here that's pretty easy. You know, you're talking about um, you know different technologies and how they fit together, um, and uh, there's a kernel in there that 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 sort of leaps out. Isn't that what's uh, isn't that sort of what's next uh, in 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 broad brushes for baseball to figure out how to mesh all these all this new data and all this new tech in interesting ways? Isn't that isn't that kind of a the forefront of 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 the work? Oh right yeah, now? like I don't I don't think we're even using full Hawkeye yet. Like I don't like I think Hawkeye is mm -hmm. too big for baseball at this point. Like we have to like like take only like a little tiny Lego piece out of Hawkeye. And that's what we're playing with right now. We're leaving the rest of the set for later. And that's just like, that's just one tech, you know, there's, there's so many other things. There's, um, there's, you know, there's bat speed stuff. There's, um, vision related technologies, um, which I, I th vision tracking, I yeah. think is a, a big part of the future is that, mm -hmm. Uh, and it, when I studied neuroscience, my professor was an expert in human attention. So I got lectured a lot about human attention. And um, he he studied um, like gaze. Yeah, it's he studied like how do you focus on things, and how do you and how does focusing increase your ability to perform? It was um, mm. what his his specialty was. So. And attention, I think, is a thing that baseball has never really delved into. Um, like how much, 
like how do we make our players better at attending to the like to the pitcher or to the like a fielder attending to the batter and um like how do we make them better at pruning what behaviors they could have like like with a batter like yeah. you could prune um like is the fastball going to be inside or outside is it going to go down four inches or up four inches and that's that's kind of the pruning process is deciding like where the most likely locations of the ball will be and updating it as you know at release point and as the ball comes in you can update it and also how do you update think about your hands? De deception too a little bit deception right yeah just like release point stuff yeah. where well your hands during the how swing do you deal with people you can oh. up you update your hands during the swing too so that's that's a that's another right. type of attention that I don't think baseball is really focused that much on, and I think the check swing even that yeah. that, that big moment yeah and and check swing analysis is so bad in baseball <laughs> like uh like how how people look at check swings I think um is pretty amateur but um so there's just uh attention I think is is kind of the next step because we we have all of these things that we've done for pitchers to make pitchers better. And I think the thing mm -hmm. that we need the, like the missing link for the batter is studying attention and focusing attention because attention is, is something mm -hmm. that's very plastic. It's easy to learn and change over time. Um, and I, it is, yeah, it's, it's one of the most plastic things, um, in your, your mind. Uh, it, it is, it's, it strikes me as something that the hitting coach can actually, uh, can actually, that's the that's what he works in right like he gives you information that shapes your anticipation yeah. right uh, and he and he tries to do mechanical drills that uh, that put you in a position to to uh be very like to to have variable strategies and stuff like that so it seems like uh you know if we were better at knowing about attention we could put we could empower the hitting coach pretty quickly yeah and and if it is effective, that could, you could have a very effective hitting. And coach. there have been research papers recently, in the past year or so, into what's called um, micro behaviors, and and they they say mm. that micro behaviors are a result of your state of attention. So at various uh, different like loads of like on your brain, I don't know how else to describe it, mm -hmm. but on, on like various energy right. loads, like what re like energy requirements you need it'll change the way that you move and these micro behaviors can be caught by something like hawkeye where you're tracking the player on the field um and you you can see that like maybe when this player is losing attention you know maybe he like scratches his left arm or something it, it's just there's like yeah, little looks, little behaviors looks in a certain direction or yeah. And and these these sort of micro behaviors mutters to himself. <laughs> yeah, these sort of behaviors you can if you when you identify them, it's the sort of thing that you can feed back to the player, and it's easy to to oh, change because if you if you feel yourself doing this, yeah. it's like if you if you start doing this, you're losing it, and do yeah. this. So, and you you can do. Oh, that, that reminds me of uh, Joey Votto says when he gets out, when he gets out to the plate, he looks out into center field. And he he like he makes his eyes wide and he takes like a big uh, he does like a, just a weird thing where he's like looking out the center field and breathing big and just sort of like doing this sort of like getting ready thing. And I asked him why he does that. And he says, the pitcher is trying to get you to focus on them. 
they're looking at you all weird. They're looking over their glove. They have their arm out a weird way. They're, they're, they're stomping around in the mound. They're trying to make you think about them. I don't want to think about them at all. I want to make them into like a pitching machine. I want to think about release point, ball movement, and that's it. So I look out in the center field and I try to imagine there's no pitcher even. Yeah. And, and, and also just getting a good deep breath is, is really good. Right. <laughs> just, just yeah. for your, your, you <laughs> think, sends a lot of oxygen like you, you think to your a brain. little bit better, you know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that, that's, that's one area of research that I think is going to be big in baseball. And, and it's a sort of thing that like, it's, it's so simple. Um, and the research, a lot of the research is so old, like the, like the papers came out in like the sixties and seventies and they still haven't hit baseball wow. yet. Like a lot of, like a lot of the, the fathers of these players <laughs> were like born after some of these papers were published. So anyway, so, so what, what's, so that's, this is super interesting and so, thank you so much, but I also want to know a little bit about what's next for you, what you're up to right now. I know you're. You're updating X stats yeah. and uh, yeah, that's uh, you know what uh, what are you studying on the side? What are you reading? Um, right right now I've been focusing a lot on updating my X stats. Uh, I've been going through. I'm rebuilding all of my models for all the stadiums so I can do park effects, which is a ridiculously time consuming job. Um, I wish I had the lidar scans that MLB has. It would make it so much faster. But uh, so. Because the 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 listed uh, the listed distances are not always the correct. Oh no, distances. they're not at all. <laughs> Some of them are wrong by like ten yeah. feet. <laughs> but uh, yeah. and also I I want to know like the whole field, you know, including foul territory. So, like I I want to know the distance between the fielder and the wall, so I can and that plus the fielder speed, and estimating the fielder location because I don't quite have that, but uh. You can you can do narrow down like um defensive ability using that. So yeah, I saw Rob Arthur today was talking about how uh, players are are playing deeper and it's uh, it's turning some doubles into outs, and he was bemoaning the fact that uh, player position wasn't actually uh, spit out by uh, Savant right now. Oh, dude, I wish I had player position. Like I, it's one of those things. It's, but that was like that was one of the main things that was going to be good about TrackMan is that we could do defensive stats now we know their player position yeah. i can't believe that it's not spit out they just don't want us to do it you know <laughs> they they want to keep that secret <laughs> I, it just, yeah, it's just well, one I mean, of those it, things data costs money you know all that stuff they put up costs money i understand it's a business but they they promised nice me they would have batted ball location like the the in place of impact they promised me it would be here for this season not here you know <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh i wish i had that dude. i keep asking for batted ball spin and batted ball like, spin. yeah man i think i think <laughs> with batted ball spin i think one of the reasons they're afraid to publish it is because i don't think the data's error the, bars the data's not that great <laughs> uh, yeah so. and that's what i that's what i've heard about um uh, position player like a defensive arm is that it doesn't it doesn't catch it all the time? Yeah. But I, I, that's a little bit of a track man thing. I don't know. Hawkeye seems like it should catch it, so maybe we'll yeah. get uh, defensive arm strength. Have you soon. seen like the the videos of the Hawkeye? They like uh, Tom no. Tango has uh, tweets about them like one today, I think. But they're like this the skeleton. Like oh, you mean like stuff. the yeah the skeletons? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, are, I've seen that. Those yeah. are cool. Um, yeah. 
And so they, they're capturing all that. They're just, you know, well, hopefully some stuff will start to trickle out. I, but, I heard a... So you're trying to you're trying to prove X stats and... But what are you reading on the side? What are you what are you studying outside of that? In, in, like just in life? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Recently, I've been reading about um, rare orchestra instruments. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what I've been reading about, you know? You heard it, kids. That's how you get into baseball. Read about rare I orchestra know, instruments. I, <laughs> I, I try to keep my interests diverse so I don't get locked in the, uh-huh. into one thing. So, um, I don't know. But between just doing um, Bayesian... Uh, statistics and uh modeling stadiums <laughs> and uh doing player speed analysis and fielder speed analysis like the beyond that it's mostly just reading about orchestras recently <laughs> nice <laughs> well uh you know i i think that i think that actually is an interesting uh place to put a pin on it because i i do think that um you know, when people talk about uh, uh, being a journalist and, and you know, I have a, a master's in, in, in uh, media studies, whatever that is, um, it, it's uh, I, I think that like I would recommend somebody, even if they do go to journalism school, that they have to do uh, something else because at some point you have to report on something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, you have to know something else other than just how to report, I think. Um, and so I, I do, uh, agree with you that, uh, keeping up with the different, uh, and it's, I think it's also just healthy for your brain to keep the synapses firing in all sorts of different directions. But, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Um, and I look forward to, uh, G chatting or texting or DMing (laughs) you, uh, in the near future. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. And that'll be it for us today on rates and barrels. Please like and review us wherever you listen to this episode uh, or subscribe to The Athletic, which is $3.99 a month right now. You get to see uh, stories like the one I just did with Andrew Bagley about Tyler Rogers' underhanded rise ball slider, which actually had some of Andrew Perpetua's pitch visualizations in it to to describe the beauty of Tyler Rogers' underhanded delivery uh, and other things. We'll be back on, on Monday with Derek Van Riper taking over. I'll be back on Wednesday. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.